Good morning. My parents were not the best role models. They were alcoholics, drug addicts, abusers, and drug dealers. As a child, I was required to participate in the drug dealing business. I uh, measured and packaged the drugs. I sold the drugs from my home, oftentimes while left alone, placing me in dangerous situations with the buyers. In addition to drugs and alcohol, my father was extremely abusive. He would beat my mother on a very regular basis, sometimes leaving her unconscious. When my brother was old enough, he would come to her defense only to be beaten himself. I always sat cowardly in the corner in fear. As the years went on, my brother became an abuser. I joke now that I was his human, human punching bag. I witnessed on several occasions my dad or my grandparents forcing my mom to vomit because she attempted suicide by taking drugs or medications. I saw law enforcement and CPS come and go several times with no actions taken. Throughout this time, my grandparents were my stronghold. They lived in the same town and would often get me on weekends so that I can attend church. My grandmother made sure I attended VBS and church camp every summer. When I was 12, I was baptized in the pool at Tanglewood Christian Camp close to Lexington. At that time, I don't believe I really knew what it meant. I just knew it was important. At the age of 13, my mother and I secretly left my dad and brother with the help of family. Six days later, she jumped into another abusive relationship. They, too, would indulge in alcohol and drugs. A few months later, she left me with a family member and ran off to be with him. I bounced around to different homes and fa- with family and friends, ending up back with my mom when I was 16 and pregnant. I truly believe my grandparents were angels sent by God to protect me. The Christian foundation they set in my life had lasting effects. I got married at 19, and my husband and I began attending church. I started to understand what a real relationship with God was really like. Through each trial we faced, I had faith that God would pull us through. Tracy and I struggled to make ends meet for years. However, we made sure to pay our tithes faithfully. Slowly, we recognized God showing up in all aspects of our lives. Relationships improved, finances improved, jobs improved. Studying the Bible and attending church on a regular basis taught me that I could break the generational curses of my family through faith in God. Did I struggle as a parent? Absolutely. But I was bound and determined to be a better parent. I prayed daily for patience. I walked forward on every altar call. By the grace of God, I have three adult children who I am very proud of. I assume I didn't do too bad since God blessed us with Layla. We started attending this church in September of 2011. 
my knowledge and understanding of the word grew exponentially. I reconfirmed my relationship with God through baptism in June 2012. Through all the trials and struggles of my story, I learned to have faith in God, and he will see me through. Guys, if you have your Bibles, please open them up to the book of John. We are in the book of John, uh, chapter 13. Chapter 13 of the Gospel of John. I want to thank Sissy so much for sharing her story. That is a tough, uh, it's a tough tale. It's hard to talk and let people into those moments, let people see the hurt, the places, the hard places that we come from. But it's important that people might better understand who we are and specifically what Christ has done in us. And guys, that's what we're doing here as we walk through the Gospel of John. We're focusing on Jesus' encounters with people right? Because people are important to God. And when we study these encounters of Jesus with people, we learn a whole lot about Jesus. But we also learn that like those people, if we have truly had an encounter with Jesus, we too have a story to share. And this morning, we're going to have an encounter with Jesus again. And this time, we're going we're gonna to read about an encounter that Jesus has with his disciple Peter in the upper room. And we're going to learn a whole lot about what it means to be clean, all right? So join me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. We thank you for your word. We um, come now uh, opening your word, asking that you would speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we just wanna invite you to take your proper place as the teacher of this church. That's who you are. You are our teacher, you are our guide. We pray that you would lift up and exalt Jesus Christ in our midst that we might see him clearly. We pray that you would reveal to us, that you would set our hearts on fire and you would reveal to us this Jesus, that he is alive, that he is active, that he is even living inside of us by your power, Holy Spirit, and that he wants to lead us and guide us into righteousness. King Jesus, be exalted in our midst. Draw us closer to yourself. And as we prayed this morning before the service, let us leave here changed because of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, guys, well, we're back to it. We're gonna do a whole chapter of John. Uh, John chapter 13 is what we're gonna do. And so uh, I'm starting in verse one. I I ask that you would open the word of God um, or click in your Bible or on your phone, whatever you're doing, and uh, and follow along with me. I'm reading from the CSB. And uh, it says this, it says, before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Other translations say he showed them the full extent of his love. Now, when it was time for the supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, he laid aside his outer clothing, he took a towel and he tied it around himself. Next he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you don't realize, but afterward you will understand. Peter says, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet 
but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you were speaking rightly since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just just as I have done for you. Truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than those who send him. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know those that I have chosen, but the scripture must be fulfilled. The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. Truly, I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said this, he was troubled in his spirit, and he testified, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. The disciples started looking at one another, uncertain which one he was speaking about. One of his disciples, the one Jesus loved, was reclining close uh, to the side of Jesus. Simon Peter motioned to him to find out who he was talking about. So he leaned back against Jesus and he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus replied, he is the one I give the piece of bread to after I've dipped it. When he had dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas, Simon Iscariot's son. After Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him, and Jesus told him, what you're doing, do quickly. None of those reclining at the table knew why he had said this to him since Judas kept the money bag. Some thought that Jesus was telling him, buy what you need for the festival, or that he should give something to the poor. After receiving the piece of bread, he immediately left, and it was night. When he had left, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Children, I am with you just a little longer. You will look for me just as I told the Jews. So now I tell you where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. Uh, You are also to love one another by this Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Lord, Simon Peter said to him, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Lord, Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. This is why we're reading to the end of the chapter. Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, I tell you, a rooster will not crow uh, until you have denied me three times. Okay. Two things I want to share with you this morning, and we're going to focus on this interaction with Peter in the upper room, and, and, and we read all the way down to the end of the chapter because I want you to see what's about to happen. Most of you know the story, but Peter is about to deny Jesus, all right? So, so Jesus is in the upper room. He does all these things with his disciples, and we'll, we'll walk through that a little bit. But two lessons I think are really important when we come to this whole washing thing that, uh, that happens with Peter and Jesus, this transaction. So here's the first thing I want you to get, okay? These are very wordy, but here's the first thing I want you to know, guys. When we believe in Jesus... We are justified and declared completely clean and righteous, all right? When we believe in Jesus, we're justified and we're declared completely clean and righteous. Now, last week we talked about Mary and we said, listen, Mary uh, did something unheard of. She brought this this entire uh, expensive jar of perfume. She gave her very best to Jesus. She even let down her hair. She was undignified before Jesus. Listen, if you think that is outrageous, like you ain't seen nothing yet, because here's what we have in our text. I want you to just think through this with what we have in our text is God in the flesh. 
We have God, creator of all, right? God of the universe here with, with these 12 men who are about to flee. God in the flesh with these 12. The master, the teacher, the son of man is, is having dinner with his disciples and he decides to show them the full extent of his love for them. So he gets up, he takes off his outer clothes, he wraps a towel around his waist, he gets down on his knees. God on his knees uh, Washing the dirtiest part of the disciples, washing their feet. This is God in the foot. This is outrageous. This is outrageous. And so he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Now Peter gets a sense of just how outrageous it is. He's going, wait, wait a second. You are going to, to wash my feet? You, my, my master, wash my feet? No, it will not be. It should be the other way around is what Peter is saying. And Jesus says to him, Peter, if I don't do this, you and I, we're not going to have fellowship with one another. Our, our fellowship is, is going to be broken. And, and, and so that, that's kind of what happens, right? And so Peter, uh, being Peter, pre-Pentecost Peter, uh, does what he does best. He puts his foot right in his mouth. And, and so this is what he says in verse uh, 9. Then, then Lord Simon Peter replies, not just my feet, but my hands and, and my head as well. Wash all of me, Jesus. To which, of course, Jesus replies this in verse 10. Uh, Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. These are important verses. Don't read past. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. Now, to understand this, we need to know a couple of things. Uh, One of those things is cultural, and one of those things has to do with the Old Testament law involving the priesthood. Okay? So first, let's talk about culturally. Culturally speaking, uh, did did they in Jesus' day, do you think they had running water and they just hopped in the shower real quick before they went places? No? Do you think they even bathed every day? No, water was precious, right? Wasn't some, so now listen, if you got invited to somebody's house though for a party, you would take a bath. You would wash your entire body. And so you're invited to somebody's party, you would wash your entire body, and then you would show up. Now, of course, along the way, you had to walk through the sand and the dust and the dirt. You've got sandals on, open sandals. So, so you get dirty, there's stuff around. Now, when you arrive to their house, would you show up and say, hey, do you have the water ready? I'm gonna jump into the bath again and then we can eat. Would you do that? No, like you wouldn't show up at somebody. Can you imagine showing up at a dinner party with your towel? <laughs> like, hey, where's the bathroom? And you just walk in and start showering. That'd be, that'd be, I used to try that sometimes just to freak your, your host out. Like you wouldn't do that. You, you, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't take a whole bath again. But instead what you would do before you would eat is you would wash your hands. And before you reclined at a low table where the food was gonna be low, they would wash your feet. So you wouldn't take a whole bath again. Jesus is saying like, listen, dude, like you know how it is when you show up at a party. You, you don't have to take a whole bath again, Peter. You just gotta wash your hands and your feet again, okay? So that, that's one. Now the other thing that this ties into was Old Testament law regarding the consecration of priests. And so uh, check this out with me. I've got a couple of scriptures for you. So Exodus 29, 4 says this. Uh, it says, then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Now this is, this is basically uh, their consecration as, as priests. So when you became a priest, you were consecrated with a bath, head to toe. A one-time event, you would be bathed head to toe one time. This was your consecration. It was a complete bath. Now, now then as a priest, when you went about your daily duties, okay, what do you think happened? 
You became defiled, right? And so, so then to continue to serve in, in the tabernacle, this is what God had those priests who had already been consecrated that got defiled in their daily duties. This is what they had to do. Uh, Exodus 30, 18 through 21. It says, make a bronze basin with a bronze stand for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and their feet uh, with the water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. Now notice, did it say they should take a bath? No, because they had already been consecrated. They had already been consecrated as priests. They did not have to take a bath again. They merely had to because they had been defiled in their daily duties. They merely had to go and wash their hands and their feet again. And so, what does that mean? It means two things. Uh, That's why there's two points in the sermons, by, by the way. Here we go. First thing it means is this. Peter has already had his consecrating bath. Okay? Peter has already had his consecrating bath. He has already uh, been declared completely clean and righteous in the sight of God, right? The church word for this is, is justified, okay? Peter has already been justified, and here's, here's what that means. The Bible says clearly that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? It, it says clearly that the wages of that sin is death, right? That, that, that's kind of how that works. And so legally, uh, what, what, what the Bible would declare is that if we stood before God on our own and by ourselves, that we would legally stand before God as, as, as sinners, right? As, as guilty. Our, our legal designation before God without Christ is we are guilty, Okay? Okay? So what, what does God do? God, God sends his son, Jesus, who is righteous, right? Not only was he righteous, he is righteous. And Jesus, who is completely righteous, comes and he fulfills for us what we could not. He fulfills the righteousness that the law demands and then he dies in our place, right? And the Bible says that anyone that would believe in him is forgiven then of their sins that made them go. So, so they're forgiven, right? Now, now I, I want to I I really press this a little bit. Um, I want you to understand that if God stopped there, it wouldn't have been enough. Now, I know this, this may not be like, like the level of, of thinking about God we, we normally have, but, but I want you to understand, all, all that brings, if God, has, if God stops there, and, and the cross of Jesus only forgives us of our sins, all that does is get us back to moral neutrality. With God. Now, see, God is holy. God is perfect. Like, 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 so, okay, listen, to be in His presence, you, 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 you gotta be clean. You gotta be holy. You gotta be perfect. So, so we were, we were legally, uh, unclean. We were legally guilty. If God only forgave us, then it would just be like a restoration of Adam and Eve. We would just be the new Adam and Eve. And, 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 and what does God know about us? Same thing He knew about them. Same thing Jesus knew about Peter, right? What are we gonna do? I'm the only one that knows the answer. What are we going to do? We're going to sin again. We're going to sin again. And so if God stops uh, there at at the cross, if the cross of Jesus only brings us forgiveness, then all we have is is a moral neutrality restored to us. And so God does not stop at forgiveness. Rather, he gives us something else. And so what God does is not only does he forgive us, but then he gives us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He says, listen, not only am I going to take away your sin, but get this, now, now not, I didn't just take away your sin so that you're morally neutrally. No, I'm actually going to put 
the perfect righteousness of Jesus onto you. You get it. I'm declaring that the perfect righteousness of Jesus is now yours forever. You get it? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So when Jesus looks at Peter, says, dude, you don't need a bath. You have already been made clean. That should speak volumes to us. Okay? Should speak volumes to us. So that's the first point. We have to talk about this justification that happens. Okay? The second thing I want you uh, to understand. Okay? Second thing I want you to understand. If I can get to it in my notes. Is this. Because Jesus knows Peter. And he knows us. We kind of have the second Second thing here, ready? When, after our justification, now we read to the end of the chapter because Jesus then says to Peter, hey, by the way, you're about to fail, big time, all right? So I want you to understand. So when, after we've been washed, after we've had a bath, when, after we've had a bath, after we've been justified, we fail Jesus in sin, uh, we do not need to take a bath again. Rather, we only need to confess and repent of that sin in order to be forgiven and made pure again, okay? That is a mouthful, but I'm going to say it again. When after justification we fail Jesus in sin, we need only to confess and repent of that sin in order to be forgiven and made pure again. Now, uh, the easy way to put that is Jesus knows we're going to get our feet dirty. He knows it. It's not his, it's not his desire for our life, but, but he knows it. So, so listen to me, follow me. Now, now th- this is why this has to do with you, ready? The Bible declares that in Christ, when we're justified, when we're not just forgiven, but we're actually given the righteousness of Jesus, when we take that bath, we become part of a royal priesthood. You guys, you guys have read this in the New Testament, right? Okay, so, so uh, this is how this all ties in. So you had a bath, you're now part of the royal priesthood. So what does someone who has been washed and consecrated as part of the royal priesthood do when they are defiled in life? When they sin, when they fall, what do they do? Well, Bible's clear. They don't need a bath. They need to wash their hands and their feet, right? They don't need another bath. Jesus doesn't have to die again. Once you've had a bath, you just need to wash your hands and in your feet. So I want to show you how this truth affected uh, John, the, the writer of this gospel. So turn all the way in the back of your Bible with me to the book of First John. The book of First John. And, and I, I just think this lesson stuck with John so much that when he got around to writing his epistles, he has this great... Uh, Great information in 1 John uh, chapter 1. I'm going to read 1 through 9. He says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and we declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy be made complete. Ready? This is the message we've heard from him and we declare to you, God is light. And in him there is absolutely no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in the darkness, we're lying and we're not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word has no place in us. 
Listen, it's not God's will that after taking a bath, we would get dirty. But God knew that was going to happen. And so what he says is, listen, when that happens, here's what you need to do. Ready? All you need to do, 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins, right? Repent. Confess your sins and repent. And listen, the word of God says, okay, God will forgive us of those sins and he will cleanse us. It means he'll purify us all over again. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So that's what we have in this conversation in the upper room, this little teaching between Jesus and Peter. We find these great truths about what it really means to be clean, right? First of all, if we've believed in Jesus, not only have we been forgiven of our sins, but we have been justified. That means we've been made just as if we've never sinned because God gave us the righteous record of Jesus Christ. That's a big deal. So if we've been bathed, we've been consecrated as a priest. We're part of the royal priesthood. Now, if you're part of the royal priesthood and you fall and you sin, do you have to go back and get another bath? And the answer is no. What do you do when that's the case? You just got to wash your hands and your feet. You just got to come before Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I messed up. I'm repenting. I'm turning the other direction. Would you forgive me of this sin? And not only will he forgive you, but he'll purify you from all unrighteousness. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So how do we unpack that? What do we take take home from that? I've just got a couple things real quick. And here's the first lesson I really think we need to to kind of grapple with. The first thing I would say to somebody is be sure you've had a bath, right? Listen, man, I I mean that. I, I know a lot of people that are raised in church and they think they're good people and they're kind of resting on that. And I'm just here to tell you that that's not enough. That's not enough. I know a lot of people that have maybe come to Christ and they felt bad about sin. And so they had an emotional moment down at an altar and they said, God, forgive me of my sin. And they think that that may have even been a moment of salvation because they felt better, but they've never given their life to Christ. And so if that's you, you haven't had a bath. You just had a hand washing or a foot washing, right? And, and, and that, doesn't, that doesn't count. So first of all, I'm saying to you, man, be sure you have had a bath. Now, this, this passage is, is, is a great passage about assurance but don't be sure in something you haven't done, right? Don't, don't be sure in something you haven't believed. And so the first thing I would challenge you here this morning, have you truly trusted Christ, right? Because that, that's, that's what it comes down to. Listen, there is beauty awaiting, right? I mean, I, I just read, what's more beautiful than that? Forgiveness and justification to be made just as if you get the perfect record of Jesus Christ. That's the only way you get to stand before God and live with him forever in heaven. But if that hasn't happened for you, then I would tell you today, let today be the day of your salvation. Today, put your hope and trust in Jesus. And I don't even know how to do that, Pastor. It's not that hard, ready? Ah, I believe in you, I give up. I need you in my life, man. Change me, make me, mold me, wash me, cleanse me. I want a bath in you, Jesus, please. And just pray that God will honor that. God will honor that, okay? So we start there. You need to be sure you've had a bath. Now, here's the second thing. If you are a Christian, uh, this is what I would say to you. Ready? You need to be sure in your bath, (laughs) right? You need to be sure in your bath. I meet too many Christians that every time they sin, they, like Peter, think that they need to have a bath again. Man, oh my gosh, I've got to run down. I need to pray the sinner's prayer. Pastor, what is that sinner's prayer I prayed when I was eight? I need to pray that again. Wait, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Listen, that's fine if you want to recommit your life to Christ. I understand all those kind of things. But if you have really had a bath, 
Man, if it really, now listen, if you were seven and you come back at 17 or 70 and say, I don't know if seven was real, like I think it's seven, I may just had my feet washed, then man, let's get, let's be sure of that, right? Let's have the back. But what I'm saying, if you're a Christian and you know that you've accepted Christ, you know that you have believed in Jesus, you know that you were saved at some point, when you sin, the enemy is going to come against you and he's going to convince you that you are too dirty for God, Right? So he's going to convince you. He's going to convince you. There's no, you are too dirty for God. God can't use you. You're not saved. And we're going to struggle with this thing called assurance of salvation, where we question whether or not we're really saved. Right? When we lack faith, when we start to lose faith, not just in God, but in ourselves, we start to question our salvation. But that's why Ephesians 2.8 doesn't say that we're saved by faith. It says, Ephesians 2.8, if you read it, it says we are saved by grace. Through faith. Faith is just the vehicle by which we fall into the unwavering grace of God. That brings us great assurance. And so that's what I'm telling you today. Listen, if you're a Christian, man, trust in your bath. Be sure in that bath. If you have been justified, you forever have been given the perfect record of Jesus Christ. Anybody want to give God an amen for that? Amen, right? Forever, forever I have his perfect record. Even though I will walk through this life and get my hands and feet dirty, I have the perfect record of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, all right? Brings me to my last point, okay? Because God knows that we will be defiled as we go about our day. He has given us a way to have our hands and our feet washed, right? And that is we come before Jesus and we confess our sin to him. We confess our sin to him. Listen, as a Christian, it is not possible to lose your justification. But it is possible to have your fellowship with God broken. Okay? Not your relationship, not your justification, not, not your son and a daughter of God. That, that can't be taken away. But you know what can be broken? Is the intimacy between you and your father. We, we've, heard, we've heard this before. I, yeah, I, I loved, your, loved your testimony. It's awesome. Ricky, Ricky shared what it was like during that time of broken fellowship with his son, how hard that was, right? We have those moments, we have relationships where our fellowship is broken, right? Doesn't mean that, that, that I'm, I'm not a son, doesn't mean I'm not, uh, you're not a daughter, right? Doesn't mean those, but it just means your fellowship. So the intimacy that we have with God. So if you're a Christian here and you don't feel like a child of God, I'm gonna tell you what's wrong, ready? You don't need a bath. You need to confess and repent, that's what you need. You need to come before, you need, you need a foot washing. That's what I'm saying. You need to come before Jesus and say, Jesus, I have sinned. I have defiled myself. I know that I'm your child, right? I, I, I know that that can't be taken away, but I am tired of this distance between us. Would you make me completely clean again so that I can walk by your side daily, right? I want to experience that daily, okay? I thank God for his text. I thank God for his word. I thank God that it speaks to us today in ways that are still alive and important to us. And I pray that God's word has done that for you this morning. Pray with me, okay? Father, thank you for loving us. Lord, I just want to pause for a moment and ask that if there is anyone here that does not know you, if there's anyone here that has uh, not had that bath, they have not been justified, They've come forward before, and emotionally they have said, um, well, forgive me of my sins, you know, 
They've never, they've never really believed in you as Savior. They've never believed in, it, believed in you as Lord. They've never given their life to you. God, they need to do that. They need to be consecrated and become a part of the royal priesthood today. Yeah. And Lord, I pray that would happen. I pray that that person would just cry out, Jesus, here I am. I'm not even completely sure how to do this, but save me from my sin once and for all. I want to be your child. God, would you just do that right now in their heart? Let them pray that prayer right now, right here. Save me. Make me a child of God right now. Okay. Lord, for those that are Christians, that are struggling with assurance, for those that feel that defilement of the world, God, in this moment right here, right now, put on their heart that sin that they need to confess to you right now. Right now. And guys, open-handed, I'm going to ask you to just come before the Lord right now. Put your hands up. Put them out. Put them on your lap, wherever. Just come before the Lord. Now just confess that sin to him. Whatever is breaking that fellowship, God, I need to be cleansed of this. Take it from me. Help me turn from it. Right, just right now. God, just cleanse me. Take it from me. Help me turn from it. God, just cleanse me. Take it from me. Help me turn from it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.